previously, previously on the Game On Podcast. We like to start with where you sort of grew up and some of your juniors, but in doing a bit of research, you didn't play too much junior junior basketball. No, because um, back in the day, there wasn't really like the talent identification programs that are around now. And I was sort of, because I was country Victoria, I was six hours from Melbourne, but I was closer to South Australia, two and a half hours from Adelaide. And so, yeah, I just played in the, um, I obviously grew up in Murrayville in Victoria, but grew up, played in the Lamaru and district um, league with both netball and basketball. And yeah, I, I think we were just a little bit too rural um, to be discovered um, to play a lot of junior basketball. And yeah, there wasn't any junior programs growing up. So when I was nine, I was playing with adults. I was playing with my mum. And uh, yeah, so it wasn't until I was, I guess, 12 when I'd had a growth spurt, um, was playing the A grade. And yeah, mum and I went on won five premierships together, which was pretty special. I, I love, that's one of the things I love about in the country is that you get to play with your parents, which is pretty cool. Um, that's an incredible yeah, so. record, right? <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, basketball wasn't offered all year round. It was just in summer, you know, we trained once a week, played once a week and I grew up playing on outdoor courts. We didn't have an in- indoor gym. So yeah, it was pretty different. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete, and once again, Malcolm, you're in the hot seat. You're back again for another week. But uh, Rachel Spawn there, part one of our two-part series with Rachel. And we, we sometimes forget that the country provide, provides and still does provide some very, very good players. Maybe not as much these days as they did once upon a time. time. But now, uh, you know, you look back on it and go, wow, there was a lot of players that came from the country. I think purely because how society's changed, how farm sizes are now so much bigger, so there's less people. You're having the amalgamation of sides, etc. Associations, you know, yeah, and that. So I think that's where the difference is, you know. And you heard Rach there that she played at Lamaru, and I'm thinking immediately, I wonder if she played against Rockets and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, great chat and fantastic person. And as I made a point in there. Great basketballer, better person. Absolutely. Part two with Rachel yep. coming up later on today, but uh, let's get into it, mate. Around the grounds. All right, we'll kick off with the AFL. We'll start with Adelaide today. Uh, Adelaide's leadership group has been announced, mate. Any surprises or some thoughts on that one? Farcical. Absolutely farcical. So you've got the captain, obviously, in Dawson, three vice captains, mm-hmm. Brody Smith, Ben Keyes, Riley O'Brien. Yes. You add Darcy Fogarty, Lockie Murphy, Wayne Miller, and Mitch Hinge. Eight players out of 40 in your leadership group. A meetings, meetings might finish by midnight. Look, I, five is ample. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's another thing on today's society in everything. Everyone's got to have a title. Mm-hmm. You know, for for me, uh, oh, ridiculous. I, I can sort of see why, say, Brody Smith, um, Malira. Lockie Murphy was an interesting one for me, but again, maybe the age profile that they're looking for to guide that group. But you're right, eight eight does seem excessive. Does that mean that there's too many, and this is probably right up my alley, too many uh, cooks and not enough chefs? Oh, by a mile. And I'm sorry, out of that, for mine, you've got Riley O'Brien, Lockie Murphy, and Ben Keys. It's the great try. Well done. Mm-hmm. Good try. For me, no, let's go for elite. Let's try and win a bloody premiership, not let's just try and for a good try and competitive. Absolutely. Now, I'm, as a Crows supporter, and don't worry, I'm going to tee off on the Redbacks uh, in, a, in a few minutes as well. Yep. Pretty disillusioned out of that. I just think it's ridiculous. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And Look, and I do want to go on t- further. There are two players, and unfortunately I can't name them, mm-hmm. Both played AFL football and SNFL football, who retired early. One of them I ran into at quarter to ten one Tuesday nights. What the hell are you doing? He said, I've got home from bloody training yet. That contributed massively. Those two players would still be playing mm-hmm. SNFL footy if there was more common sense regarding training and meetings. Yep. We will. All right. We'll stay with Adelaide. Uh, just a little bit of a, a fun exercise here of five to seven players under the age of, say, 23, 24 for Adelaide. Um, came across a bit of an article here uh, via SEN, and I reckon it was Daniel Menzel who yep. put together his top seven sort of Adelaide players, starting with Luke Pedler, yep. Jake Saligo, Daniel Curtin. Yep. Um, which I think was interesting considering he hasn't played a game yet. So we'll, we'll hold fire a little bit on that one. Riley Thilthorpe, Max Michelani, Josh Rochelle and Isaac Rankin. It's pretty solid seven really when you think about it. And, you know, without putting too much pressure on Curtin, um, you know, and I've sort of said this a couple of episodes back with Max Michelani down back, could be, you know, the dynamic duo down back for quite some time if everything goes all right. So some big raps on him. Yeah, there is, and there's also some others. I, I rated Dowling from two years ago I, I, at North Adelaide. I, I like what he offers. Yep. Um, there's good reports on Edwards as a, as another mi- good-sized midfielder, which obviously they lack a bit. Yep. Um, so, yeah, look, I do think in that regard, there is plenty of good young you know, up-and-coming talent. It's exciting for the Crows when you, you sort of list off those seven players and then you've added another couple there, which I was hoping uh, you might give us a little insight in being the Crows supporter. But um, obviously, you know, Isaac Rank and Joshua Shelley, I think are, are, they're the dynamic duo down forward. Curtin and Michael Annie could be the uh, dynamic duo down back. Very interesting, Riley Thilthorpe. Um, all reports, and we'll talk about this one now, is that obviously the internal trial game was played uh, over the weekend and he looked like he was moving pretty well and playing pretty well, but I know you're pretty strong on trying to get him into the ruck, yeah, not I up am. forward. So Yeah, it's a combination, but mm-hmm. personally I think ruck's still Adelaide's biggest weakness. Yep. Um, and that's also compounded for, for mine. You've got Riley O'Brien, who's a, who should be a fringe player, is in your leadership group. I want to see Strawn as he, I think it's now it's either his fourth or fifth year on the list, 
be given an opportunity. That's well, the opportunity he did get a few years ago looked quite capable. So that's probably the the, the one question mark for me as well. But let's so, just uh, do know from some of the players which one they'd rather ruck off, fair and, call. It, and it ain't Riley O'Brien. Fair call. All right, and Lukey Peddler is probably a good one for yeah. me. I thought he had a breakout year last yeah. year, and I reckon he's only going to go from strength to strength. He sort of reminds me a bit of Dawson. You know, got that. Cool, calm, collected ball movement. There's a little bit of similarities of Mac and Yes. He probably kicks more than Macca. Yep. Macca was more break open with a long handball. But yes. body strength and through a pack, there are a little bit of similarities. Absolutely. Well, exciting times ahead. All right. We've done Adelaide. We've got to do Port Adelaide. Uh, obviously, trial game. We'll start off with their trial game, their internal trial game at Albert and Oval, unveiling the new um, yep. state-of-the-art centre. Um Got through relatively unscathed. A couple of little injuries that you'd worry about, but nothing that nah. nothing that's going to affect them as the season uh, gets closer. Um, interesting that Port Adelaide did play a fairly even both sides. You know, a lot of the clubs this I year. I admit, done... I prefer that. Yeah, I, I don't sort of see the point of loading up on one now. The possibles and the probables, and yes. So, and the Crows actually did that a little bit. And Curtin played in the possible. So not only is he standing Taylor Walker, <laughs> yep. which is fine. I like that. Absolutely. He's got to be exposed to that. But he's exposed to the better midfield in terms of the lack of the pressure of the ball being being that bit cleaner to Walker than it would have been mm-hmm. with, with the teams evened up yep. with a little bit more realistic. So, yeah, I, I actually personally like the way Port did that better I, than Adelaide. I agree. And that's my own opinion. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's why I bring it up in yeah. that, in that uh, you know, most clubs seems to seem to have done a, a possibles v the probables, um, and this year Port Adelaide have gone the other way and gone, you know what, we're going to do match-up for match-up. And there were some exciting match-ups there that uh, that – you know, I didn't watch all of it, but there are certain highlights that you saw and went, yeah, this is good for Port Adelaide. I reckon it's a great, great thing. Well, why not have Rosie Stan Butters or Rosie Stan, Jason Horn Francis, etc.? I, I I think that's far better than the three of them play together. Spot on. Spot on. All right, we'll talk about Port Adelaide's top seven or so. We've got Lockie yep. Jones, Ollie Lord, Mitch Georgiatis, Miles Bergman, Jason Horn Francis, Connor Rosie, who just squeezes out of that age bracket by January, which is not very much, and Zach Butters. I think Zach Butters, for me, is going to be a Brownlow medalist from what I've seen so far. I think if any of those three yeah. can be. You know, I, honestly, I, I just think the the world's – I know I go on about it, but for mine, I think that three is capable of just absolutely dominating the competition, jump aboard with us. Yes. So. Exciting time support, Adelaide, uh, obviously, with those seven players. Who's your must-watch – I know who you're going to say. It's going to be Horn Francis. Um, for me, it's Georgiatis. We haven't really seen yeah. a lot of him. I know injury is going to be um, or has been the, the problem in watching him so far, but I reckon he's one that could have a breakout year all being well. Yeah, it's still a big thing to come back after missing so long Yep, and all that. In time, look, I've got to be honest, I was at the game at Unley where he did his knee and got himself to blame in terms of it wasn't just pure bad luck. Mm-hmm. He'd been switched on. Mm-hmm. He dropped a chest mark because he was elsewhere in the mind. Yes. And then he's through that, he then twisted his body and was unlucky enough to do it in that way. But if he'd been switched on, yep. it wasn't just one of the pure bad luck. There was a little bit more to it. Than fair, that. fair call. All right. Say an overall top seven, as per the article here, Josh Rochelle, Thilthorpe, Michael Annie, Horn Francis, Rankin, Butters and Rosie. 
It's a pretty impressive list if you it is sort of putting together almost a state side there. You'd want to see them all playing together, wouldn't you? That'd be fantastic. It would be exciting. It would Although be. Butters is Victorian, I suppose. Yeah, so, but yeah. if you but do overall, it purely on yeah. you know just playing for South Australian club, it would be very very interesting. And but that's probably I think the other oh and Rochelle's Victorian too, yep, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. So I was I was thinking that's a bit stronger than what we've been on a potential state of origin side mm. of things. But mind you. Well, Rosie Rankin, Rosie Rankin, Horn Francis suddenly probably gives us a bit bit more strength than we've been for a while. Absolutely. Uh, this might be controversial for me to say, but bring back the AFLX and put these guys together. It would be <laughs> fan bloody tastic, wouldn't it? Oh, that AFLX. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk, we're still a reigning premiers in that. We are. We'll talk about that Crows. one a little bit later. Uh, obviously, Port and the Crows uh, with their internal trials last week. This weekend, it's pre-season showdown. What are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm of two minds. It's match similar. I, yeah, I, I still don't take too much out of it. I just want to get through injury. Like Hawthorne's the one who've been, you know, well, hit from pillar to post with three serious injuries from last weekend. You, you've stolen my thunder yeah, a little bit in how, and how much injuries can wreck a club's yeah. season really at this time of the year. And is it a case, and I did hear, I actually talking about Timmy G, I uh, did hear him talking, I reckon it was on one of the radio stations about, um, or, or via Port Adelaide website, about how it's important that players still do go at 100% because that's when you don't get injuries, if that makes yeah. sense, because you're bracing yourself for it. But if yeah. you're trying to preserve yourself, generally that's when some of those injuries can happen. And I think yeah. you alluded to it with um, Georgiatis a little bit as well, yeah. potentially. Yep. yep. All right, we'll leave the AFL there, mate. We'll move on to cricket. Uh, Australia heads over to New Zealand. What do we expect from this mini 2020 tour? Admittedly, I'm waiting on a call back, trying to find out, because talking to, I just rang a painter mate today on something different, and Spencer Johnson was on the same flight as him to Melbourne, Mm -hmm. wondering if Spencer Johnson is then flying in New Zealand, if he might be in the squad for the second and third game, how they mix that up. I'm just not sure. So I'm I'm hoping on a call before the end of the show yep. or otherwise, even before we record tonight. Yep. Um, that side of things. Yeah, so not sure there. Look, again, personally, I'd much rather be playing a warm-up game mm-hmm. before the test matches. I couldn't care less yep. about three Mickey Mouse 2020 games. I, I um, thought you might say that, but yeah. I just thought I'd throw it out there yeah. in, that, in that obviously world cricket at the moment needs I know, a bit of a boost. it's not warm-up. It's, yeah, games. Uh, are, yeah. And New Zealand, you know, basically hosting a third... South African team, you know, they get the, yeah. the, the A grade of Australia somewhat. Good for them, obviously, to host Australia at pretty much all full strength. You know, yeah, all right, it's the Mickey Mouse comp that we're yeah. talking about, but um, still important for cricket nevertheless. All right, mate, we'll yeah. move on to the Redbacks. I know you want to um, throw down the rule book rant nice and early today, so the floor is yours. Yeah, I want to go a few angles here in terms of, I'm now 61, so I've been, I've worked it out. I've been a regular at Shield Games now for 49 years. Um, I think overall, South Australia, really in that time, there's only been a couple of times where we've actually expected to win. We've hoped to win. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go into this game. On Saturday, we get into a position we are three for, Kerry and Lehman batting. Queensland have tried to bounce Kerry for a while. That hasn't worked. So they've gone for the bowl wide outside off stump to either an eight on the offside field or seven on the offside. 
Now, Kerry played a couple of rash shots, and I'm just thinking, for goodness sake, Alex, just rein it back. Bad ugly here for a while. It doesn't matter if we only get 30 runs off the last 20 overs of the day. Yep. They're not going to get... Honestly, there were three overs bowled where both batsmen could have come and sat with us in the body line bar because they weren't going to get out. They were just way outside off stump. Yep. It was, right, let's just try and frustrate one of these two out. Now, Jake did go down to speak to Alex at one stage, but for mine, it had to almost be down there and grab him by the throat. Yep. For goodness sake, pull your head in, bat, just bat. He then tried a lap shot, stepped in front of his and tried to flick it over the keeper's head to get out for 90. The predictable South Australian collapse then happens. We lose six for eight. Mm -hmm. Now, if you just bat smart from that stage to get through. Now, the other player I want to really tee off on is Fraser McGurk. I would have actually gone up to him after his dismissal in the second innings and said, pack your bags, see you later. Yep. He is on one in the second innings. He played an average shot in the first innings. Yeah, I don't think he hit it. I think it was an average decision, but yep. it was still a poor shot. Yep. In the second innings, he's on one, and he charged and tried to slog Bartlett over square leg. It was bizarre. And for my – there's all this bit now. You've seen Root do it for England in this thing. It's bat with freedom. No, bat with a brain. Yep. You know, don't reinvent the wheel. All this, you know, baz ball with England bullshit. You know, think back. Steve, under Steve Waugh, the plan was to get 300, over 300 runs in the day, etc. They're not reinventing the wheel, England, think they're coming up with something new. Same thing with South Australia in this situation. We're 170 runs in front late on day two, mm-hmm. not day three. Yep. Day two, just bat and bat. And for mine, it comes back to, it's sort of South Australia. We're nice. We mean well. We're a good side to have a beer with, but lack ruthlessness. It was just so dumb. And I'm sorry, I've got a tee off on selection for across the year too. We've played Ben Menenti effectively as a batsman. Yep. Batting number eight. When he was recruited for bowling, yep. His bowling is marginally it's only better than yours or mine that there's less loose deliveries. Mm-hmm. There's no more wicket-taking deliveries. If he plays, he bats in the top six or doesn't play. Yep. Harry Nielsen, yes, he made runs in Melbourne, but playing as the keeper batsman. Was he one of the best six available pure batsmen this game? I don't think so, personally. No. And I think it comes back, again, the internal problems in South Australian cricket. You know, um, it's just... Immense frustration that I actually left Adelaide Oval angry. I've seen us lose enough times. Over yes. Years. But I want to see the side beat us, not beat ourselves. Yep. And effectively, we beat ourselves on the weekend. Well, we do that more often than yes. not, really, when you think about it, when you actually think about it, because as far as talent goes and the, the number of players that we've you know had cycled through that South Australian program, you would expect that there would have been a bit more success. So. My question to you is, is it a case of that because there is obviously one day as T20s and all of this is all mixed in amongst each other, is that players are setting themselves for a Shield game but in a one-day T20 frame of mind? Yeah, and so I think that's then got to come back with let's be stronger, better than that mentally. Yep. 
mentally, Alex Carey was was weak in yep. terms of that way. And I'm a I'm a massive Alex Carey fan. He's the best keeper batsman yep. in Australia by a bloody mile. Um, but he should have made at least 100. And I actually think he should have made hundreds in both innings. Yep. This guy is good enough to be playing cricket for Australia purely as a batsman. Well, just keep batting. He could have made hundreds in both innings. Yep. Um, I just want to see us if he gets an, you know a real good egg and nicks it. So be it. That's fine. Yeah, you've been beaten but by the bowler. Not getting himself out, yep. as Fraser McGurk did. I just, you know, and as I said, I don't get our selection. I think it's it's just lacked. There's a few a few things. It's in all areas. It's just bizarre. Like Tom Kelly gets picked to play in Melbourne. Bats four. Why not? A bat played him this game and batted him at six. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, I'm flabbergasted. Nope, fair call. And I'm furious. My other question to you is stability. It looks like there's a lot of chopping and changing from what I can see from the out, out you know, the outer. Uh, you're probably a little bit more on the inner. It just seems like, you know, you're almost three quarters of the way through a season and you're still trying to find combinations. It's not ideal. And no matter what team sport you're in, lots of changes like that just, Keeps well, everybody unsettled. The game hunt opening with Carter in Melbourne, at one stage we were one for two after 9.4 overs. Now that's ridiculous. So they decide, right, we've got to try and score this game, so yep. we'll open with Kat, with Fraser McGurk. Yep. Now, I get that, but I don't understand why Jake Lehman, when he plays for East Torrens, either opens or bats three. Why not play him? He wasn't making runs in the middle order. Yep. Why not try him opening earlier on? I, I don't – yeah, there's just things – lots of things don't add up. Yep. And yet again, it looks like we're going to win a, yet another wooden spoon. Unfortunately, uh, yes, South Australia losing to Queensland there after a, a oh, not quite a good start at all, but they did fight back. I'll give yeah. them that. Their their first innings fight back was actually very, very good. But um, – yeah, I'm scratching my head a little bit with you that they're probably up there with the 36s at the moment that probably need a bit of a review from top to tail to to try and work it out. And, you know, with the amount of scouting that there is these days, you would have thought that there is some sort of game plan that they are playing to. And at the moment, it just seems a little bit haphazard. But again, I'm only an outsider. You are the cricket man here. And if you're frustrated, then, um, yeah, Doubly frustrated yeah. uh, more than what I am. But anyway, let's move on. Elise Perry and uh, Annabelle Sutherland. They are two of the most unbelievable women's cricketers going around, setting the records for the top five women's star crick- test cricketers over the journey. Now, there, there is a bit of fun in this one where we've bowled South Africa out for 76. We have. And then we just kept batting and batting. And, yeah, the game's sort of going on. I'll be honest. I was with the, I was at the Paynham Tavern with a regu- with a few of the regulars there with fu- funeral with funeral Steve, Steve and the boys, mm-hmm. and uh, he came back. So it looks like Sutherland's going to knock off. And Sutherland gets out. So we made jokes that there's Elise Perry shotgunning in the rooms on champagne and and all that. Yeah, I'll just stay here. You get filled. <laughs> I've still got the record. Yes, yes. So yeah, it was a bit humorous there. Look, at least South Africa made them fight a bit to win the game outright yes. in that way. So I'll give them that. But, yeah, it wasn't exactly a cliffhanger of the game. No, uh, you did mention Elise Perry there with 213 not out as a record. Annabelle yeah. Sutherland coming in at 210. Yeah. 
someone that we know quite well here in South Australia, Karen Rolton yes. at 209. Uh, Michelle Bozard. And Joanne Broadbent's right and, up there as well. Exactly, at 200 as well. Yeah. So um, Australian cricket in some very, good very South good South Australian representation there with Karen Rolton and Joe Broadbent. So, Absolutely, yeah. and that is certainly the positives that we can take from South Australian cricket at the moment. But um, no, Australia doing very, very well there. Obviously batting, like you said, nine Declared for five seventy five and South Africa bowled out in the first. Of course, Arcee Brown took five five and Talia McGrath took two. So we took seven of the set ten wickets for South for South Africa. So we were mucking around saying yet again South Australia carrying Australian cricket. Absolutely, use that line. And also great to see that the women are getting to play some tests. Obviously, going back and we've talked about this on many occasions. You know, ten years ago we never would have predicted you know, crowds the way they are, but the amount of women's cricket that is on it. And like you said before, it's the fastest growing women's football, women's football is yeah. the fastest growing and, and cricket is sort of right up and there stand as, well. as well. And a bit of trivia as well on another one and a really unusual one that Elise Healy joins her husband, Mitch Stark in that their highest test score is 99. So, there you go. Yeah, There's a great yeah, little stat we might yeah. have to put in the, uh, the books there. So now nah, great that they're getting to play, you know, the occasional test match yeah. here and there, but you know, they're, Draw card is the 2020s and the one day is. Just on a bit of a side note for the cricket, you did talk about the Bazball in England uh, just a minute ago. They got belted once again, England, giving us a little bit of fodder to work with, um, but it was a record loss as well. So, but England just got to shut up. You know, like, oh, the more we get, the merrier, and we're going to enjoy chasing 600. What? You chin, you're dribbling. Nasser Hussain's come in and really got stuck in a ducket today. Yep. Virtually telling him, pull your head in. Um, you because know, he's claiming that Indian players are learning from him. Well, Nasser Hussain's well and truly said, uh, try the other way around. Yes. You know, and that. Yeah. Uh, Besto, obviously, um, calling for DRS on an absolute plum delivery, which was just farcical. But speaking of DRS, there was a decision that actually showed you that it was missing the stumps, and yet it was given out. So... Where I'm, I'm, you know, tennis has gone through this period of, you know, the um, ball tracking and bits and pieces like that. Where does that leave cricket? Because it seems like every now and then we get these anomalies that really shouldn't be happening. For mine, I, I'm not sold on DRS, and I think umpires have taken the the more of a liberty now, and are guessing, giving giving guys out. For mine, both route. And Crawley should have been given not out in England's second innings. Yes. For mine, that was a guess. Now, yes, it's an unwritten rule. It's not actually a rule of the game. It, there's nothing there which says batsman gets better for the doubt. It's just an unwritten yep. thing. But it used to also be, once you were well and truly forward, better for the doubt applied. Now, they've shown you know, the, the stats-wise and all that, that the ball's only got to be moving under a millimetre and it's going to miss the stumps. Yep. Now... For mine, that was just a guess by Damasina on both. Yeah, personally. Crazy anyway. But all right, we'll leave it there. We're going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of baseball, some tennis, the SNFL, the soccer, and Rachel Spawn, part two. Hi, I'm Mark Hardy, and you're listening to the game on podcast. All right, we continue on with baseball, mate. I know that the Adelaide Giants have finished, but there is a little bit of baseball going on here in Australia. But 
More importantly, there's a couple of players from Australia that have been signed to some MLB contracts, and Liam Hendricks is one who signed a two-year deal with my Red Sox, so I'm pretty happy about yeah. that for sure. Yeah, quite uh, exciting. Absolutely. All-star closer from Western Australia, Perth Heat product, Liam Hendricks, worth, is going to sign a two-year contract worth about $10 million. Um He won the 2022 MLB Comeback Player of the Year Award after rec- recovering from stage four non-Hodgkin's yeah. lymphoma. Yeah, so there's a... There's a really special story about yeah. that, and yeah. you know that is fantastic that he's going to get his opportunity at a major league club, and let's just hope that the Red Sox can uh, utilise his skills. Definitely. All right, let's move on to tennis. Uh, Alex Diminor and Jordan Thompson, once again, we talked about them over the last couple of weeks, but they've actually moved on to some new career heights yep. with Alex Diminor squeezing inside the top 10 and Thompson reaching number 40, which is career highs for them. Yeah. And of course, Dimina did lose to uh, to Yannick Sinner. Sinner yeah. yeah, the 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 Sinner. He was this, definitely the Sinner, not the Saint. Yes. Um, but at least his thing. At least it was probably a bit more competitive. Well, it was. It was uh, seven five six yeah, four. So, so um, yeah. obviously, Sinner being the Australian Open champ. The only thing that Alex Diminor and I totally agree with him a little bit here in that he's got a zero and seven record against Sinner, and yeah. they are going to be. Ca- yeah. Playing against each other probably for the next five, maybe ten years uh, against each other late in tournaments. So let's hope Alex can arrest that um, number and get a few wins back on the board. Yeah. But Sinner's in absolutely amazing form at, the, form at the moment. Mind you, as a Redback supporter, I'd kill to be none for seven. Yes. <laughs> okay. uh, just to finish this on tennis, mate, a bit of a fun fact that came across my desk is that no player inside the top ten since 1973, which is when rankings actually yeah. officially started, that there's been no one-handed backhand players. That's an indication that you've got to have a two-hander for the extra power, isn't it? It's Well, yeah. I mean, since 1973, yeah. they haven't had one. Um, I think personally it's a little bit about that kids are picking up tennis rackets of full size a little bit earlier than what they normally would, and the only way they can do that and to, to hit the ball is to basically be a double-handed backhand. So... You're right. It is yeah. something that is definitely changing. All right, let's move on to the SANFL, mate. Harry Grant gets his place in history on the McGarry Grove. Yeah, and wrapped for his sponsor. James Dixon is a fanatical Centrals man. Yes. He is he's I will be honest, I think his his business, his butcher business, uh, has the best ads I've ever seen in anyone. He's very clever. Mm-hmm. JNS quality meats. He's hilarious. We, now, we might even now, shove one up. Um, I, I, he's now a I, good man. I've got not, a lot of time for now, him. Now, we'll preface, we're not sponsored by them, no. but look, we are looking for sponsors yes, at the moment. So yes. um, if anyone's listening that would like to just help us out, that'd be fantastic. But yes, uh, I think you're right. Um, great supporter of the SNFL, great supporter yep. of Central Districts. His ads are really good, and his product is even better. Yeah. So can't win, can't go any further. You might there. get a message after the show. <laughs> Absolutely, um, Malcolm. Uh, I want you to give us your top five for the SNFL Premiership race this year, because Phil, when he filled in a couple of weeks ago, and myself, obviously, sort of rattled off what we thought. Interested to hear your thoughts. Well, easily the team to beat. I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. I'll still go Sturt, Adelaide. My Nord bias. <laughs> um, and I'll go central still as well. Okay. 
Phil was quite bullish on Central, so yeah. I'd be very, very interested to see how they go. Yeah. North Adelaide's going to be the one that sort yeah, of is going to be around the mark. Yeah. Nord and West Torrens yeah. as well, yeah. yeah. So it is a bit open at the moment, apart from probably the two that we all agree on, and that's probably Glenelg and Sturt at yeah. this stage. So, yeah. All right, um, just going back a couple of weeks to the Australian Day Honours, we should have made mention that the Sturt Football Club's Nick Swingler is awarded the OAM uh, of Australia for his uh, continued dedication to the Sturt Football Club. That is, I've met Nick and he's a fantastic uh, ambassador is. for football in general, but he loves um, Sturt. Massively well-respected person around the SNFL, probably the leader to a lot of extent, yep. and helps other clubs and other people. He's a really good bloke. You know, Lewis from Sturt's pretty open that he may have saved his life, yes. et cetera. Um, no, massive respect. And, yeah, he, he's a ripper, Nick, and he, he's a great man of the SNFL. Yes. And a fantastic person for Sturt Football Club. Might see if we can chase him up and have yeah. him on as yeah, you know, will, sort of a, a real story for the SNFL yeah. because, obviously, his involvement over the over the years with SNFL, he'd no. definitely have a few stories to share. i that on board, and I will do that. No yep. problem. And to finish us off on the SNFL, we'll go back to the SNFLW. Uh, wins last week in the trial matches to Woodville, West Torrance, South Adelaide, West Adelaide, and Nord in some tight games too, which is good, good to see. Yes, Nord. Good to see Nord beating Glenelg. So it's something. I know it's only a trial game, but something we still can stir Stephen Patterson up. Absolutely. About that his girl in Violet plays for Glenelg. So yes, I'll leave that one to you yes. as well, mate. All right, let's move Former on. Former guest to of the show. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to soccer. Adelaide United loses two one to Sydney. United has put their season in jeopardy with the last two games that were very very winnable. Yeah, I think they're nearly. You know, the fat lady, she's warming up. She's gargling. Um, will she be singing this weekend? We won't see. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Adelaide United playing Western Sydney Wanderers this weekend at Highmarsh Stadium. Yeah. Uh, for all Adelaide United supporters, get there and support your team. They're by no way anywhere near completely out of the race, but they need to start putting together a few wins yeah. and... Western Sydney this week and then uh, um, Wellington Phoenix the following week and then Melbourne Victory. So three very, very tough games coming up. Uh, That lady's warming up. (laughs) I like it. All right, mate, let's take a very, very quick break. When we come back, Rachel Spawn Part 2. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Past players, past legends, past legends. You're too tired to yeah. do. I think if we, because it was, um, I was already 30 by the time I went to the WNBA. So maybe if I was 20. 20, yeah. I, yeah, I reckon you would, you would have been, yeah. you would have been amongst the votes, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> I had to ask. So, yeah, no. So it was, um. Yeah, but it was just a, a wonderful experience and, yeah, I, I feel very, I don't know, grateful that I got to do that. And then obviously then coming back to Adelaide Lightning um, and then moving on to Sydney and then, like you said, Athens and you did speak about Jan Sterling there and, and being a very vital um, cog of that. But, you know, obviously you're a little bit older, a little bit wiser. What are some of the takeaways from, from 
that experience, obviously, being the elder statesman of the team? Yeah, that was – the generation gap was happening, that's for sure. I think I was nearly closer in age to Jan than my next teammate because, um, you know, I played through to I was 36 and most of my teammates were in their in their 20s by that point because sort of everyone else was retiring around me. But, yeah, no, I, I think Jan was great there too because she, um, as you got older, you know, she would let you have, you know, an extra day off or an extra session off, um, you know, because she knows – that we're doing the work away from the program, but to also rest our bodies a little bit. So that was really appreciated. And yeah, and I guess you do get wiser as, as you get older and um, yeah, you just rely on your basketball IQ and, and everything. And then you're just hoping that you're helping the young ones come through as well. I, I think that was, as you get older, I think that's one of the great pleasures is, you know, having the rookies that come into the team and, and being their mentors. How different, was Sydney, though, as an experience mm. compared to the other Olympics, right? Well, the, the best thing is that your family can afford to come. So yeah. I had, you know, mum, dad, all my siblings, yep. so many friends and family. So having that support in the stadium was amazing and just being able to see them in your days off. Um, so that was huge. Everyone was in such a great mood in Sydney. Um, I can't wait for Brisbane and people to experience it at again. Um, and just the home court advantage, you know, we played in the, the dome and then the super dome and, and just selling out and in front of such parochial crowds, you just can't beat that. And yeah, just the support that fellow Aussie athletes give to each other too. I think we do that so well compared to other nations. So, you know, I love how Laurie Lawrence was gate crushing yeah, yep. everything with athletes. <laughs> I know they didn't let that happen in Rio. I think they nearly got arrested for getting in without tickets, but they were the good old days when you could do that. Um, you know, the security wasn't quite as um, strict. So, no, amazing. I, I can give you a couple there. Um, one of my best mates, Danny Hansen, found a media pass in a bin outside the MCG. No. He used it <laughs> no. for everything. So this was about three years before the Olympics. Yep. So he used it every grand final. Anyone, he'd just get, say the grand final starting at three, yep. he'd walk in with a clipboard, one minute to go, and that, <laughs> rush in. Opening ceremony, closing ceremony, Cathy oh. Freeman's 400 basketball. No and at that stage, another uni mate, David Gordon, was going out with Alison Peake, and so Gordo put, <laughs> Danny Hanson and Brett Dutchkin, a few of the boys' names, down on the door. So not only did he not pay for anything all week, go to every event virtually, he didn't pay for a drink either. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Wow, that was very fortuitous. Oh, don't worry. The, involved with uni guys, they, they could manage to drink eight days a week with, with having no money. Yeah, they're pretty incredible <laughs> in a lot of ways. So, Rach, and then so basketball, in terms of going on and then the next Olympics – just go through and then coming towards and deciding what else you were then going to do, etc. Yeah. So after um, Sydney, I got pregnant with my daughter, Taya. Yeah. So I missed the 2002 World Cup, um, but had Taya and was determined to get back for Athens. So, yeah, worked my butt off. I was probably the, the fittest I'd ever been um, for Athens, actually. And I was very lucky that um, I had an amazing support network so that I could still train and play. Taya didn't – I was away from her for three weeks when she was one and then, you know, obviously the Olympic Games, I was away for five weeks. So I had 
my in-laws and my own mom and yeah. and family looking after Taya. So, yeah, so Athens was – it was different for me. I, I think I was much more relaxed because I was a mum. I was coming off the bench. My role was different. So I was probably in some ways the less least stressful yeah. <laughs> of my three Olympic yep. games because the Olympics as an athlete is the pinnacle of – of your sport but god it's it's very stressful the pressure so as much as it's amazing and so great to be part of it's also a relief when it's over um but I didn't really feel that in Athens I didn't feel that pressure so yeah I, I just loved our campaign you know obviously we won silver yeah and then it was you know I wanted to have another baby so I had my son in 2006 and yeah and then then just I guess along the way doing different roles and the most rewarding I had was working for the Australian melanoma. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Six years and because my grandma died from melanoma and I basically wanted to educate my children better than mum and dad knew to educate me because obviously growing up in the Mallee, we just tried to get burnt so we'd yeah. go brown, peeled so many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and we all did that in our generation because we didn't know any better and so that was very rewarding. But I guess I always keep coming back to sport so then I worked for ASADA, um, Australian Sports Anti-Doping um, Authority, for, for three years as a clean sport educator, which I loved. And then I worked for Olympics Unleashed, which was going out to schools and sharing your Olympic journey. And, yeah, so the, and then obviously the, the port job came up. Um, yeah, so I'm still – I had to, I had to uh, change allegiance because <laughs> I had been a Crows ambassador for 21 years. Yeah, and, right. and, um, yeah no, I couldn't have done that. Port. Yeah, you've gone to the dark side. Jeez, Lord, <laughs> Lord Voldemort. Yes, yes. So, just, just, just backing track a, yeah. a little bit there, Asada. What obviously your role there, and and some of the intricacies that maybe yeah. not the the average person would know about because they are quite strict when it comes to a lot of these things. But a lot of people don't know. Is can you shed some light on that? Yeah, and I guess I wasn't. I wasn't um, the person watching them do a wee. <laughs> no, 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 me. <laughs> no, no. Um, so no, no. It's it's it is an amazing world, and you know, even as an athlete, I thought that I knew a lot about you know anti-doping, but there's there's so much more that you know you do need to know, and, and that's why they educate the athletes now. So yeah. I would travel all over Australia, um, you know, present the hockey brews and the kookaburras. Uh, world the seven um rugby and yeah it was it was just um you know rowing swimming all all the different sports so it was I loved that I got to do that and I was still in around the elite sporting environment but and I guess what's changed now is that because of um social media and internet match fixing betting yeah. all that has to be talked about now um yeah because they will groom Spot you betting yes yeah exactly and they don't you know you just don't know that you've, you're being played and yeah, so it's just it's just really making sure that the athletes are educated and and also um, you know and you just see and not and it's basically really about them not taking a, a banned substance in a supplement. That's the biggest one because yeah. that's what breaks the starter's heart is when an athlete with no intention to to cheat, yeah. you know, took a, a, a supplement they didn't know it had a banned substance because they they're not regulated well regulated so they can put anything in there and it's not on the label so mm-hmm. that's where you're just wanting to to make people uh, accountable and and realize whatever you put in your body you're responsible for and you can't blame anyone else i suppose that's where i was alluding to well you know you know was there a little bit of a list or a, you know no goes for certain 
foods and drinks and so on and yeah, so absolutely. on. And that, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that they had to look out for. Yeah, there's a there's an um, Asada app. They're actually known as Sea and Now Sport Integrity yeah. Australia. So there's an app. So if you take a supplement, you want to make sure it's um, batch tested, and you can look it up to see whether it is. And if it isn't, then don't you know you just don't take it. And at least with um, medicines or medications, they're um, well regulated. So, but obviously you can't take a cold and flu tablet with pseudoephedrine in it in competition. So mm-hmm. there's these are things that you know. Now I can do that. I couldn't before. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know that, you know, just that aren't an elite athlete. I thought, wow, they can't take that. So, yeah, it's just keeping – you have to keep very basic to, to what you can put into your body when you're an athlete. Is it also a case of getting your own drinks and, you know, not leaving it to chance? It's, you know, I mean, I'm trying to break it down into its simplest form, but, you know, you might be out on a – a night out with friends and, you know, you, you might want to have one or two bevvies and you really want to make sure that what you're getting is what you're getting. Oh, absolutely. You have to be, yeah, really on your guard and alert. And like the elite, elite athletes, um, you know, when they travel and they stay in hotels, they will put their toothbrush in the safe so that no one can tamper with their toothbrush. That's how careful they are. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Look, so I can remember in that regard, as I said, I mentioned Alison Pete before. When Peaky first got the shield, watch the person pouring a drink mm-hmm. and watch like a hawk. And then mm. he's got to know a bit, bit more. Rule can you watch? Do not take your eyes off. Concentrate something like chronic with my drink. And yeah, so Alison was, and that was every drink. She never relaxed once in yeah. that way. And, no, you, know, you do. Things you like that. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really careful. And, yeah, and 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 look, it's changed so much because when, um, you know, we had to ring a, a hotline. You couldn't look on an app. <laughs> you had to ring yeah. if you wanted to check if you could take something. You had to ring phone and call, um, you know. And then you had to, they have what's called a whereabouts now, and you had to put on a piece of paper where you were going to be every day yes. in case they come to t- test you. So things may have been made so much easier online. Um, so it's it's a really good process now. So rocking up at all hours of the day oh, yeah. and night is uh, common yeah, practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six a.m. in the morning, come to your home. Wow. Yep, absolutely. The the element of surprise is what they want. Of course. Okay, Rach. So some some individual awards: Australian Basketball Hall of Fame, OAM, Australian Sport Hall of Fame. Go through, you know, when you found out originally, and just the sort. You know, wow, and go through the experience for us. Yeah, so I guess um, 2007 was for the Basketball Australia Hall of Fame. I'd been retired for, for three years, so that was the um, the way that you could be eligible. You had to be retired for that period of time. So, yeah, that, that meant a lot, um, you know, because being an Opal uh, for me was, was such a privilege and, my God, it gave me an incredible life. You know, I got to see the world. Um, and then, yeah, the OAM, that was 2015, and, look, that was very unexpected uh you know when you see I, I don't know it's hard when you're a, a sporting person because you have OEMs like people who are saving lives and researching yeah. and you know and it's like oh god you know do I deserve to, to be there and so I think that was very humbling for me and um yeah that's very 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 dear to my yeah. heart Fred Block obviously Chocker Fred Block's my hero the late Fred Block, and, yeah, he was very much – he was really embarrassed by it. And 
you know, yeah, sort of going, yeah, well, no, I what's think, going on me, think, sort of thing, and uh, yeah. But I think you know, hum- humbling, and I think as you get older, then you, you know, I think you probably look up, yeah, just appreciate it. Not you're not going, oh shit, I deserve that. No, you're just going, geez, I actually appreciate that, and it's a reward, yeah. and it's a, mm-hmm. you know, something for the family to enjoy and all that as well, etc. Yeah, for sure, and and I think as as athletes, we always look at ways that we have given back over the journey, and and it's not all about what you've done for you, you know, on the, on the actual court or the whatever, playing basketball, it's, it's what you've done in the community yeah. I, I see as being the most important. Yes. And so, yeah, so for that I'm, I'm very proud. Look, that's one thing, Rachel, you've ever contacted Rachel, you know, sports night, I ran a while back now and ironic for a few other we people were... who've been on the show before and Flipper compared it and there was Rick Nagel <laughs> and, and Bix and Rowie and Rowie. So and it was quite funny because the photo, it's the six of us together, and ironically, Rachel is easily the tallest. <laughs> so it looks well, quite funny with five guys and then the six. I'm going to chime in here guys. and say the best looking as well because yes, there's yes, no I doubt totally, about that. I totally agree with that yeah, as well. Yeah. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> now, Rach, one thing. So you're now involved back with footy, and footy, women's football is easily the fastest growing sport in the nation, and by a a long way. And look, it's saving community clubs, you know, country clubs, all of a sudden, girl side, guys hang around, vice versa. We know how important that is. And that, and, you know, at community level, they keep growing and growing. Like, I think Paynham have got three sides now. I think Morfittville Park are four and things like that. But what's the impact? Are basketball. Where are women's basketball and netball, the traditional sports, their numbers at? And I think Shoals from Port Adelaide is one where he's a classic example where maybe you you might be involved there as well because she is an Australian netballer as well. So I've got to – surely there's a decision to come there and things like that. So how are the, the sports, the other sports, coping with the competition factor virtually for their talent now? Yeah, I think – I don't know if it's draining as much as it was. I, I think when AFLW first started, um, you know, they were getting players from any other code. Yeah. You just had to be athletic. You yes. know, they were trying beach volleyball, soccer, you know, every sport. But now you have to come through the junior ranks to make it at AFLW level, which which as, is as it should be. So I don't think they're draining the sports as much. Um but it's hard to compete. The other sports will find it hard to compete because it gets so much publicity. You know, it's it's the young girls are seeing it. Um, they're seeing that they can make a living from it. You know, they hope to be professional by 2027. Yeah. So, and it is, and it is. Look, it's we all. I grew up absolutely loving football, and I would have been, I would have loved to have played. Yeah. You know, Kieran is an older brother. I used yeah. to kick the footy all the time, and but you know, I only saw, never obviously saw. I didn't even know that you know, women were playing it in the city, but at a much, you know, smaller level and there was state footy back in the day. But yeah, I I, I guess for me, I'm just wrapped that there is another pathway for girls to go into a national competition because yep. that's what you want. It's, it's, it's more physical activity. It's more opportunity to be involved in a team sport um, and to be a lead athlete. So I'm very envious from a basketball point of view of the resources they have, yep. um, you know, coming yeah. From, from basketball to, to football, it's like, wow, you know, I wish yes. our sport had this. 
Um, but it for it because it's for women, I love it. I love that it is exploding and we're having more facilities and conditions are better and that's all changing. So in that sense, it's it's been great. I think it's fantastic. And look, we we acknowledge that it started the wrong way round, that it started at the top and then worked down. And of course, mm. ideally at the bottom, but it, it it had to it had to go that way to to pike the interest. And it's just incredible, honestly. You the problem now is the lack of grounds and lack of change rooms. Yeah, absolutely. It's not it's not the numbers. It's quite no. it's quite incredible that male teams are folding and female teams are, are beginning. Yeah, that's right. That's so true. It's a crazy stat, and really. It, yeah. Yeah, it's... and I guess so we're all appreciative of that because, you know, it wasn't meant to start till 2020. Um, and thankfully, you know, if they'd done that, it would have been COVID, so it wouldn't have got off the ground. Yeah. So thankfully, you know, 2017, it, it did happen and, and Aaron Phillips, you know, we got to see Aaron play yeah. at her peak and, and, you know, we wouldn't have wanted to be robbed of that. Because that was just, you know. Don't worry, I'm showing my age, Rachel. I saw Aaron play as a junior, <laughs> yeah. and John Cale makes the point. He, she's the best junior. She, he coached. Male or female? Yeah, he coached, and yeah. those of us who saw Aaron play back then couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, no, she was born to. She to was be born to play football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, it was just a natural game, and I think whatever Aaron would have put her mind to she would have been an, a, a champion at it you know basketball she did I'm sure she would have played netball or whatever she would have been the same and she to see her professionalism you know obviously I played with her when she was 17 at lightning and I was 34 I was double her age and I played with her for two years and I was amazed at her professionalism back then she was asking so many questions and yeah and then to see over the journey and then come back to football what you know, she, her, her body, she just looks after her body so well. She's her best coach because she does the work away from the program. She knows what she has to do. And, and to, you know, her commitment and um, diligence was amazing. I know I'm you know, involved with Nord and with the, the Crows were playing the girls' team at Nord. And Erin had a fitness test on the Saturday morning. And it was my job to find out whether she'd passed the fitness test, and which found out she had. I then had to ring every radio station, email them, text in <laughs> on numerous names to let people know that Erin was playing today because we worked it out that it was worth at least an extra thousand people and about three to five thousand dollars in merchandise and you know, food and uh, food and drink sales if Erin was playing. <laughs> Yeah, well, that sounds like the you know her final game yeah. report at Alberton round ten last year. It was it was amazing. It was so good, and and they and we won. It was a perfect send off. She kicked two goals. Yeah, and I was like, well, there you go. That's serendipity for you. It was it was amazing. Talking about a sliding doors moment. I mean, here we are talking football with a basketball. Yeah. You know, your transition. <laughs> oh, there's always a football. Oh, of in, course, there's always a football uh, in a spawn. Yes, yes. yes. Obviously, you know. <laughs> You would never have dreamed that you'd be involved with football uh, post your basketball career, and um, now being at Port Adelaide uh, sounds like it's a nice fit. Yeah, look, it is, and and it's so true because if you'd asked me even you know four years ago mm-hmm. that I'd I'd be at a AFLW club, I'd be like, really? So yeah, yeah no, but, and and also at Port, it's like yep. wow. Um, but yeah, no, I I feel like I've you know been supporting port for a long time they're a great club I, I love their culture and you know it's it's 
it's been just fantastic. And obviously, except when I first started, um, they went in 2022, they lost their first five games and it was not great <laughs> being around the club because everyone was like, oh, God, keep my head down and on tenderhooks. So it was so wonderful experiencing last year when they won 13 in a row. It's like, oh, how good is this? Come on, come on. You're going a bit overboard here, Rach. Come on. I know for that. Pull it back, pull it back. Uh, Rach, I do remember you with the melanoma. And, yeah, I I admit I was trying to think. I knew there was a link because I do remember your passion and talking to you at various times with that. And I knew you had a massive passion for melanoma. So, yeah, you've you've expanded that now. So for, for that and... And all that now. The other thing Rach was always known for, one of the best tellers of jokes. And it is after nine PM, so a lot of the jokes now that we would qualify for, Rach. I don't but you do were that anymore Yeah, now. you were brilliant. No, you were brilliant though, Rach, yes. <laughs> and that so yes. Now Rach, let's I, go go through yeah. then. Yeah, back on the serious part. You, you would have been worried <laughs> if I hadn't had a, dropped a sledge in that way, Rach. Um you know, the highlight if you've got a pick out of all the ridiculous number of things you've achieved, let's go two highlights and then your hardest opponents and teammate and best teammates played with as well. Okay, so I can never go past the double overtime win in 1994, our yep. first premiership, um, Clipsal Powerhouse against our main rivals, Melbourne Tigers. We were just exhausted and thank God we won because we've been so shattered. And, yeah, that's my my favourite WNBL win, I guess, of all time. And I I think um, I think with the Opals, uh, do you know, it's, I'm actually going to go for um, – obviously, if the Olympics is obvious. So I'm not going yep. there. Yep. It was Oz 94. Um, we played our preliminary rounds in Adelaide before we headed to Sydney. And it was so great they were in Adelaide because so many people from Murrayville came down to watch. And anyway – we won our first game against Japan. We lost. We got belted by China by 20 in our second game, and we had to beat Italy by 13 points to to advance to the top eight. If we didn't advance the top eight, it was going to be a financial disaster for Basketball Australia. And um, I, the pressure. I remember the, the pressure was insane, but we're up by 14 at halftime. We ended up winning by 21, and it was just the most amazing feeling. You know, I will never forget that. And, you know, we went on to Sydney and we nearly made the gold medal game. We, we lost to China by one and didn't get a, and we lost to USA by five to, to win a bronze. But I don't know, there was a little bit of changing of the guard and, you know, we, we haven't lost our top four ranking since 1994. So I think, um, yeah, that was that was sort of just the, the change of, of us being a world force and remaining there. So, yeah, that. That's probably the highlight. So most difficult opponent, um, definitely Zong Hai Shi from China, six foot nine, weighed 120 kilos, so 50 more kilos than me. Yeah, wow. And um, it was exhausting guarding her. Um, we were the same age. I was the tallest in the Australian team at the time, so I always had to guard her. Uh, but, yeah, respected her tremendously. Um, and of course, I have to put Lauren Jackson yeah. in there as well. Yeah. Lisa Leslie from USA was exceptionally tough as well um, over my career because we played USA so many so times. times. Yep. And uh, yeah, but um, yep, just just amazing. Really, pretty great to I guess I, I think what I love with basketball is that you have the opportunity to 
play WNBL, you have your Lightning team and then you have your opponents and then coming to play for Australia, you play with your opponents who become your teammates, who become your lifelong friends. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely. All right, we'll get you out here on this one. There's no bigger honour in in any sport uh, to have your number retired in 2007. Uh, let's just talk about that briefly, you know, your feelings on that and obviously it then being unretired in 2023. Yeah, look, that was that was an honour when Lightning um, offered you that. It is a beautiful tradition that basketball do. Um, but then it was, yeah, it just came about um, earlier, or sorry, late last year um, that Jenny Borlays, who I know very well, Izzy Borlays' mum, she said, oh, Izzy's not happy with you because she can't wear number 14 because it's retired because it was her number and she wore five for lightning. And it just, I went away with that and I thought it got me thinking. And it's like, you're right. I, no one can wear 14. That's yeah. been her number. She's going to be a superstar. I've known her since a junior. I've watched her come through Forestville. And um, I, I would actually love to see number 14 running out in a lightning uniform again. Yeah. So, I ran it by we ran it by Izzy to make sure she was comfortable with it too, and it was a really lovely moment when we did the presentation of the singlet and um, you know, and we're just seeing what a superstar she is. You know, she's went yeah. to the pre Olympic tournament and um, she got presented with number twenty over there because Mariana Tolo's got number fourteen. Um, but you know, she has no fear. She's so composed beyond her years. She's nineteen, and she's going to be opal for the next you know sixteen years. She's just so talented and um, yeah, so she's got fair breeding was, uh, too. Oh. It was yeah, it was something that I I didn't take lightly. I you know I discussed with quite a few friends and family. I'm, I think I'm going to do this, and I do, I do not regret it at all. Hey Rachel, privilege to have you on the show. Absolutely, yeah. this has As been one said, interview that I've been really looking forward to. Yeah, basketball royalty. Um, yeah, you know, I know it's the cliche, but you truly get it. Uh, you get in terms of always helping people. Phone call to you and you're you're on board within thirty seconds and always greatly appreciated and yeah, look forward to catching up too. Thanks, Rach. Thanks guys. Thanks for the great chat and um and love that you love women's women's sport. So thanks guys, appreciate uh, it. Sports fanatics in general, Rach. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you, Rachel. Okay, see ya. We thank Rachel once again for her time um last week in in t- telling us not only about her her starting you know in country and then obviously working her way through the basketball system but ending up in the US and experiencing all of that was just fantastic and yeah like you said Rachel gets it yeah she does she get as I said you know charity show you've only got to ask Rachel and bang she's a board she's a ripper um also you know champion herself but you can hear in her voice her awe about Lauren Jackson as yes so Privileged to have uh, have uh, Rach on board. Uh, absolutely a fantastic interview that I was looking forward to basically all week when we knew that we had her secured. And, yep. yeah, thank her once again. So thank you, Rachel. Happy days. All right, we kick off with happy birthday to a player that both you and I know very, very well is Tommy Warhurst Jr. I will try and – Tommy's not easy to get on board to speak, but I will work on him because uh, he. I did get a message one stage from his wife, Gia. I've always got to be careful because yep. it's Gia Warhurst Zia, 
Macintosh. So you got to be careful. Gotcha, there. gotcha, gotcha. And Gia was after the dates of Tommy State games, and we had to work out numbers and which games they were. Did take a fair bit of delving and a fair bit of work that one, but mm-hmm. got there to get them framed, which Tommy didn't know about for his birthday. So I might give him a call on that one and remind him he. He does owe me one. Absolutely. Yes. Well, happy birthday this week to Tommy Warhurst Jr. Obviously played for Norwood and the Adelaide Football Clubs. Warhurst, Warhurst had already played over 200 SNFL games when he was signed to the Adelaide for their de- debut season in 1991. Had previously been twice recruited by VFL clubs, but on each occasion decided to stay at Norwood. A three-time South Australian representative, Warhurst, member of Norwood's 1982 and 1984 premiership sides. Yeah, and really a few vital times in that. The 84 against Centrals, which Bruce Winter points as the as the match-winning movement when he smashed through a centre square after a bounce and jammed it on the boot. Mark from Aish give off to David Payne for the goal to hit the front. Mm-hmm. Might have watched that once or twice. <laughs> um, High and rotation. That, and also his, his tackle on Bradley in the 84 grand final. You know, the big guy caught the smooth-moving you know, port gun, and that was a big part of that as well. Uh, yeah, Tommy, too, I will say, treated bizarrely by Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Played very well against Hawthorne. Well, we'll but, talk about that now. You did yeah. talk about playing some big, big roles. Uh, he took part in Adelaide's first AFL game yep. against Hawthorne at Football Park. We all know the result of that one there. But, in more importantly, he kept forward Dermot Brereton goalless in a convincing win for the club, the 28-year-old. Played again the following round against my Carlton Blues, yeah. um, but did not play any further or did not take any yeah. further appearances for the Adelaide Football Club. I will say out of that that it was ridiculous. He, not the first person and certainly was not the last mm-hmm. to get beaten by Stephen Kernahan and got marked down from a comment he made, a throwaway comment the news took up on it, got made into a headline. Mm-hmm. I will say the late great, Neil Curley was totally out of order and Adelaide were dumb enough to fall for fall for that and Tommy should have played a lot more than two games and leave it at that. Definitely. Uh, well, happy birthday to Tommy this yes. week and, uh, yeah, hopefully we get to have a bit of a yeah, chat we'll to him at try. some stage. Uh, this week in 1980, Ian Botham becomes the first man to score 100, uh, in, in this case 114 off of 144 balls, and take 10 wickets. 13 for 106 in the same test against India. Uh, incredible player. Look, one of the few that he was the genuine all-rounder, that he would have played just as a top six batter yep. or he would have played just as a bowler. Yes. He, he was a superstar. Look, um, probably his fitness, so he lost a little bit of zip with the ball where he probably put on a you know, bit of weight, didn't mind the, didn't mind uh, a beer or a wine or, or food. But uh, and probably the ma- the main comment you, we can give in both of them is he should have been Australian. Yep, that's probably the best way. There you go. Biggest compliment we can give him. Uh, obviously, he helped England to a very unexpected win because I think that just doing a bit of the research, they were something like four for fifty-seven and really yeah. in a bit of trouble. And he comes in and scores one hundred and fourteen off one hundred and forty-four balls and then backs it up bowling. So, yeah, impressive statistics. All right, we move on. Tennis in twenty twenty-one Australian Open women's tennis. Naomi Osaka of Japan wins her fourth major and second Australian Open title. Jeez, it seems like longer than that. Does not know. You know, she's gone off and had a few years off, uh, had children, came back this year and played at the Australian Open. But, yeah, it just seems 
so long ago, but yeah, she ends up beating Jennifer Brady six four six three in the Australian Open final. So, so she should have beaten a member of the Brady bunch. Too, <laughs> fair enough. Fair call. Uh, we move on to the Daytona five hundred in two thousand and sixteen. The fifty eighth Daytona five hundred. Danny Hamlin wins the closest finish race in history by zero point zero one seconds from Martin Thorax Jr. It's incredible that they can go to that extent. So it's not. A dead heat. Yes. It's quite ridiculous, really. Point. Yeah. Incredible. Zero one of a second. Yeah. That yeah. is just unbelievable. But, uh, you know, obviously the Daytona will be coming up pretty soon in America, so yeah. all the rev heads will be getting in tune for that. All right, and we finish off with the Olympics in the 24th Winter Olympic Games. Uh, close in Beijing in China. Norway finishes with a record 16 gold medals. It's a fair haul. From, it'd be interesting to know how many number of events overall there was. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we know, there's nowhere near as many events as the Summer Olympics. Yes. So, yeah, incredible, really. But also per head of population, yes. too. That's the other thing, yeah. you know, that we think of it from an Australian point of view. We've always batted above our, our average weight, yeah. uh, a little bit. It'd be very interesting to work out the statistics on that one as well. Yeah. So, no, fair point. All right, we move on. Let's, uh, let's scoot into the extra time, big finish. All right, we hate giving the 36ers a little bit of a clip, but we sort of have to in that their season finished on a bit of a whimper, and I think there'll be a lot that would be happy to see the end of it. Mm, Yeah, it's inconsistent is probably as complimentary as we can go. Now the 36ers finish in a disappointing ninth spot, which is... Not quite what they would have liked to have sort of got to. They Just looking at the ladder, they did have good opportunities in the last three or four weeks to probably put themselves up there for potential finals, but it wasn't to be, which leaves us with this weekend. We've got Tasmania v Illawarra and Sydney versus New Zealand yeah. uh, in the play-in tournament. Almost qualifying. Yeah, qualifying, yeah, yeah with yeah. Melbourne and Perth obviously automatically qualifying for the, uh, the, the eliminators, yeah. whatever, yeah. yeah. So it's a slightly different format, yeah. but uh, obviously the winner of Tasmania and Illawarra will go straight through. The loser of Sydney and New Zealand is out completely and, yeah, just the way yeah. that it is played. So we might touch base on that over the next couple of weeks as well. Speaking of basketball, the NBA, the All-Star game sets all kinds of new records where East beats West 211 to 186. Talk about yeah. a free-for-all. Yeah, the, the defence there, that was the thing which kept the cars inside. Yes. What they'd come, it wasn't, it was, there certainly wasn't defence out on the court, yeah. They were hitting points from yeah. three, you know, from half court and, you know, three points from ridiculous areas. So, look, it is a bit of a fun and it is a an event that is more about showing off the talents of the best players going around. So, understandable. Something else that caught my eye, which is LeBron James hints at a possible retirement from the NBA. Not just yet, hasn't quite worked out when it's going to be, but... Whether he goes for a farewell year tour like Kobe did and like Michael Jordan did, or whether he just walks away is going to be an interesting talking point. I reckon he could afford to sponsor the show too, just quietly. We'll put in a call to his people, to our people, to his people, and back and forth. I'm sure we can work something out. Uh, Speaking of the NBA, the Celtics still leading the Eastern Conference and the Timberwolves leading in the Western Conference. Celtics have a handy six-game lead, so... 
you'd have to say they are favourites at the moment to take the Eastern Conference, but finals do interesting things to a lot of teams. We move on to the NRL. The Vegas trip really hasn't started off all that well with players involved in a scuffle. The NRL just do this to themselves time and time again. Don't help themselves. I admit, I did hear an interview, though, earlier today on SEN where they're saying that there's already been over 20,000 tickets sold mm-hmm. and the American and a lot of uh, Europeans and they'd be there and they think, you know, this is a five-year deal. Yes. And they're saying that don't it'll be longer than the five. They're already saying that. So at the moment, they're happy. So he did, he did uh, you know, probably play this down a little bit, but just saying, hey, how about respect in the game? It's your job. You're yes. over here. It's your job. You got time for the Vegas trip. Yep. Later, you know, whatever. Yes. Pull your head in and get on with it. And that that yeah, that says it all. But yeah, you, you dead right. Wouldn't be expect expect for plenty of things to happen yet for them all to shoot themselves in the foot. Yep. Let's wait and see. It just seems to come up every every yeah. every time, and it's disappointing because they do have a good product. I mean, you look at State of Origin. You know. Yeah. You know their local their local suburban clubs are still basically controlling a lot of what goes on in the NRL, and that probably leads me to my next point: is are they making the right move by playing in the US, or should they be concentrating on other Australian sta- states first, such as Adelaide? And could the Rams be a team that could come back? Depends on what sponsorship deals they've signed out of this, the TV rights and all that side of things. Yep. Um, from the sound of it, it sounds like they've got a good deal, mm. but yeah, let's wait and see on that one. It is a big market in the US and, yep. you know, it is something a little bit different to the uh, NFL football. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. All right, to fin- finish us off, a couple of just general questions. Uh, North Melbourne talent looks like getting up to an 18-game ban. Yeah. Taron Thomas. Taron Thomas. Yeah. Uh, um, expecting the decision sometime in the next yeah. 24 to 48 hours. Interesting one, isn't it? So it's for domestic violence and treatment of women yes. in general that, it's not just the one incident. It's, it's been ongoing. Yep. Um, I'm still a little bit mystified, though. I don't sort of get... So they're doing an investigation on that and that he is going to get a lengthy ban, yet they're waiting for the courts to decide what happens to Marlon Pickett. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a little bit hypocritical yep. that we'll set the standards and rule on that, but we don't want to We're touch that one it. with a four... With a five foot pole, we'll yep. let the courts decide on the other one. I, mm. I sort of don't, I don't really get that. No, that's fair call. Yeah. So I thought I'd add it to the run sheet because, yeah, it is a, a controversial decision as yeah, far I as that, that, that goes. Yeah. It's totally, a, you know, contradictory of each other. That's what I'm saying. The way yeah. They're handling it. Yeah, absolutely. And to finish us off, mate, something a little bit cheeky today. An Olympian possibly stood down over a cheeky stunt. It was all a bit of fun, really, at the end of the day. And I, I hate to say it, but sometimes we're a little bit too politically correct. Yes, yes, we are. And let's just say, I, I think common sense will happen there in the end. But, yeah. Um, yeah. We're well, talking about the horse rider who was wearing yeah. the mankini. Oh, it was a bit of fun. Say. Look, come on. Let's, yeah. let's, let's bring a bit of levity to the situation. And yeah. if... Uh, um, Wade, well, he's getting good publicity for the sport as well as the Olympic Games coming up, and that's something that we've got to add to the run sheet over the next couple of weeks is the Olympics. C O M O N, second word S E N S E. 
let's hope that happens. And we'll leave it at that. Absolutely. All right, mate. We're going to leave the good, the bad, the ugly this week because I reckon we've covered some of that. Oh, I think I've teed off enough. You this have. Week. Uh, mate, we thank Rachel again for her time yep. the last couple of weeks. I thank you once again. And as per usual, we promise to do better. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.